Welcome to More Than a Sign, where we talk to some of Milwaukee's most productive realtors, up-and-coming realtors, and those that work alongside us. However, rather than being a platform for shameful self-promotion, these are intimate discussions about the journey, the struggle, the fear, and ultimately, the personal growth along the way. At the end of the day, nobody really cares about what we do. All that really matters is who we are. Today, we're going to learn who Judy Hebner is from the House to Home team. But before we do, let me tell you a few things about what Judy has done. So when we look back at last year, Judy and her team remarkably have sold 169 homes, totaling $66 million in production, which is absolutely incredible. No disrespect intended, Judy, but who really cares about that? Let's talk about Judy, the person, and your journey and what got you here. And there's kind of some common themes with what we do. And the biggest is that people see us performing at a certain level, and they assume that it was all easy, it was all predetermined, that we had this wonderful sphere that we started working from the get-go, and that it's been smooth sailing. And the truth is, that's just not how life works. So let's kind of go back as far as you'd like, well before you were doing what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Where did you grow up? Grew up in Chicago, southwest side of Chicago proper, and from a family of eight kids, seven girls, one boy. My dad was kind of worried about my brother being surrounded by seven girls, so he named him Rock. (laughs) (laughs) He's a tough guy. Mm -hmm. And a very close family. I have one sister in Australia, one in Florida, and the rest of them are in Chicago. Oh, nice. Happy childhood? Yes, very. And we're very close. It's, It's great. Nice. And now with FaceTime and Skype, even people who are, one of my sisters that lives in Australia, I'm probably the closest to. So you have this happy childhood and this crazy house with lots of love, it sounds like, and you're still close, which is great. And I had 96 children on our block. Wow. Chicago. I mean, 96 kids. We had a fabulous time. Mm -hmm. Fun. So different than the way our kids grow up nowadays, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, yes. Uh, I went to the grocery store at, I think, seven by myself. Mm. (laughs) Different times. So what about like schooling years and take Um, us on a journey? Okay. After school, I ended up uh, working at U.S. Gypsum Company, Mm. and I was in customer service there. And I ended up one of my customers... Customer service at U.S. Gypsum is in an office. It's not like you're, you know, walking into Target type thing. Mm -hmm. It's in an office setting and you're calling on major manufacturers. And I ended up working for one of my customers. And it was um, in selling lawn and garden products. And it was calling on garden centers. It was a pretty much male industry back Mm. then. And I didn't have the fear. I didn't know to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And it was life-changing. It was a commission-only job, which was kind of risky, mm-hmm. and I was single at the time. But And what were you doing? Like, what was a day in the life? Um, actually calling, originally calling on garden centers and selling them like 15, 20 different companies, and then it became lawn and garden distributors. Then I ended up moving to Wisconsin for the, with the same company mm. and would call on distributors nationally and just selling lawn and garden products, doing many, many trade shows, And it was quite successful. I did Mm -hmm. it for about 25 years. 
And then I became an investor in real estate while I was there. Hmm. Back then, it was 2005, 2006, when all you heard about was, you know, invest now and sell, sell. And I got kind of reamed in in one of those seminars, and I ended up becoming an investor, bought 13 properties in about a year and a half time, hmm. which you think about it back then, they did stated income. There, It was crazy. Right. I mean, there was a piece of delivery guys became, becoming loan officers. Mm-hmm. The money was just there. And then years later, those same loan officers became pizza delivery guys yeah. again. <laughs> Probably. Right? Okay. So stated income, meaning for those that don't know, that you didn't even have to provide any documentation. Right. You just said what your income and assets were. And actually, I didn't even say. Hmm. The lender said. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was terrible, but I didn't even know. You know, I wasn't a realtor. I didn't understand it. So you ended up with 13 properties, 2005, six, you said. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that play out? Well, I found out very soon that I was not going to be able to flip them. The market had really tanked. So I unfortunately became a landlord instead. Hmm. And it was nice cash flow for many years. Um, I'm really grateful about four years ago, I sold my last one. Okay. So I have not been an investor can't find the deals nowadays, but I also became so busy with real estate, I didn't have mm-hmm. the time. Nice that you were able to hold on to them because many people in 2008 couldn't hold on to their properties. So they must not have been over leveraged. Right. I wasn't. Yeah. And like I said, I, it was cash flowing. So things mm-hmm. were good. When I sold them, didn't make a ton of money necessarily because I bought it at the high time. Sure. But it all turned out fine. Yeah. Okay. So you went from Lawn and Garden, you started investing while you were at Lawn and Garden, right? Yes. And then what created the change okay. from there? I had decided to sell my business because the Home Depots of the world, the Chinese imports of the world, my clients were feeling the effect of that. So mm. I just kind of saw something's coming down the road. And I knew a gentleman in my business and I said, I'd be interested in selling it to him. Why don't we do a four-year buyout? So we worked together for four years. I rep- uh, about 25 different companies then. And I kept one of them, the highest one and the least amount of work. Mm. And I decided, okay, after the four-year buyout, what am I going to do? Well, I was very stimulated by the whole real estate industry, even the lending, everything. And I thought, I'm going to become a realtor. And huge risk when you think about it, because I had a family, my husband was retired, and I didn't know real estate. It was all going to be commission only. But fortunately, I had that one company ride me through for a while Mm -hmm. and ended up figuring out, I remember sitting with my husband saying, okay, what am I going to do? What's different? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do that's different than all the other realtors? And that night I thought about, it's going to sound terrible, like an ambulance chaser, but I thought about what about people when they die? Mm -hmm. They have a house to sell. So this was a Sunday night. The next day I went out to 10 funeral homes, told them what I wanted to do. I wanted to be part of their grief package where I would help any of the families that had a home to sell. And nine of the 10 said, okay, I think this is um, a good idea. The 10th one, I remember this guy named Joe. He said, Judy, I'm fine with this. But he said, I'm really worried that they're going to think I'm making money on the house. Mm. And he said, we're convincing them already with the price of, you know, the the burial and all of that. I said, you know, Joe, that's fine. If you don't want to do it, I get it. And then he goes to me, what are you doing this Thursday? And I said, um, nothing, what's up? And he said, well, we're having a district meeting. I said, tell me about the district meeting. He said, well, we all get together. There's like 14 of us. And we talk about 
our good things and bad things. And he said, I think you should come. So my worst guy, Mm -hmm. as far as being open, gave me an opportunity. Well, then I go there and I find out there's like 15 of these districts around the state. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is great. God's leading me in this direction. Mm -hmm. Then I find out that there's a state show, a funeral home show. And then they told me I needed to contact the guy that's national. I said, what do you mean national? He said, well, there's a national. Mm -hmm. We have two national companies that handle all all the funeral homes. So the national one happened to be in Brookfield. Uh Okay. So I go meet with him. And he tells me about these national magazines, about these national trade shows. And I was going to create a referral business that I would be able to reach out with a grief package to all of these people, all of these funeral homes. And then when a a family needed some help, we had an 800 number, we had a website. Uh, We did all this within like three months. And I attended national show, all of these um, caskets around me, and mm-hmm. here I am with a real estate sign. Like, what the heck right. is she here for? But the only one there. Pardon me. The only one there. Oh, with a by real far. Sign. Oh, I mean, there. Right. Were, you know, there was everything about funeral homes. So it was hard because I had to drag these people and explain mm. what I was doing. Anyway, so I did all this, and I kept thinking, my gosh, this world is now really big. I was going to make twenty five percent on all these referrals. Well. I really stuck to it for about maybe six months only because I went to another national show and I found out, I kept saying, these people aren't going to want to do this because there's no money in it for them. Mm. They're giving a referral, they're caring, but there's not a hook. Right. All of a sudden, one of these guys said to me, you know, I'll be happy to give out your cards in our grief package. However, what's in it? He actually said, what's in it for me? And he said, if you would bring me pre-needs, I said, what do you mean pre-needs? He said, those are people that they come and they take care of their funeral arrangements for themselves or their family. Mm. So what I did was I changed my grief package to say, and what you could do is take your proceeds from the sale of the house and take care of your pre-needs and mm. have a text right off. So I thought, now I've got a hook. Right. Well, anyway, I spent a lot of money, maybe only about 10 grand, but I did all these things and things were looking, you know, opening up doors, but really wasn't happening. I sold, I got two homes that were right next door to each other in Milwaukee, both severe hoarders. <laughs> right. So anyway, I did that. I was with Realty Executives at the time, and the owner thought, this is a phenomenal idea. This mm-hmm. is so unique. This is going to work out. And I just didn't have it in me anymore. It was just like, I, I get why they don't want to do it. They don't have to take the time. These people have a very good business, but they're not into giving referrals. And then I started a program called PATH, Positive Action Toward Housing. Okay. And I would get together with home inspector, insurance company, Select Milwaukee, housing resources, where we would help the people to be able to take class by showing up to my seminar, so to speak, and learn how to take care of homes. They would get credit and they would get some down payment assistance from the government. So I did that for a while and we would go to a church or the boys and girls clubs and put them on there. And finally it came down to Select Milwaukee and Housing Resources were already doing all of these already. Mm. They didn't need another person. Mm-hmm. So that kind of fell apart. So two big things fell apart in probably six to eight months. But what I would consider two fails forward. Yes. Right? Like the most important thing in any business is that you're putting yourself out there because you learn from each one, you fail forward, you dust yourself off and you say, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And 
it's a blessing, not a curse. You're right. I, and I really wasn't that frustrated. It was more like, okay, that didn't work. Now what else? I don't remember how much Colonel Sanders tried doing his recipe. Right, right. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, then all of a sudden, this was, I became a realtor in 2010. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, Zillow was out there and I started doing Zillow and I was amazed because I would go to these seminars with a bunch of agents and they were all knocking Zillow. They were all saying, you know, it's a way to, to market your home. They didn't really get it, to be honest with you. They didn't mm-hmm. get it was a way to get buyers. So I rode that train for a good three or four years, not with a lot of people doing it. Mm-hmm. I still do some of that, but obviously we do a lot more other things now. But it really got me successful in a very, very short amount of time. Let's talk for a second about what that life was like. So when you were all in on the Zillow leads, what was a day or week like? Okay, because of my old lawn and garden business, I kept my administrative assistant, and she became my transaction coordinator and my admin. So I already had a team, I guess you call Mm -hmm. it. But I would get all these leads by emails or phone calls. Uh, Zillow has changed a lot through the Mm -hmm. years, and they continue to change. But it was overwhelming. I remember going to the owner of Realty Executives and saying, I just got an offer to be a national sales manager for my old industry, and I really don't want to do that. However, I'm a nervous wreck. There is just, I'm nervous. I'm worried this could affect my marriage. This could affect my health. And he's like, what are you talking about? Because it was dead out there. Mm. And I said, I I can't tell you. (laughs) Back then I wasn't willing to share, I guess. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it was really, really busy. So then he taught me how to give referrals out to other agents. And then I started creating house to home team and having agents on our team. So back in those days where you were contemplating these changes. How many leads were you getting in a week? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. In a week, maybe 30, something like that. And I mean, were- my, my amount of money that I spent varied through the years, so I don't really mm-hmm. have an exact amount. Sure. But it was very, very successful when, like I said, when no one really knew about it. So nowadays, you get 100 leads and try to get four people out of it, three, four, five people. Back then, when you were getting 30 leads, were you converting a high percentage of um, Our percentage has definitely improved because we learned better scripting and we learned how to handle it. We're probably more like 8% now return on our invest uh, as far as people okay. doing it. But um, I have a, it's a well-oiled machine now. I have one and a half inside sales agent. The other half of that person is admin. And... We have enough agents to be giving out referrals. I also created a program called Quality Leads about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, I was talking about that in advance. Yes, mm-hmm. right. So that helped me to be able to give, when we have too many leads, people to give them to. And the neat thing is to watch these brand new realtors soar. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. get, they're getting on the map early. They're learning things. So it's been fun to give other agents involved. So you're not just giving them the leads, but you're also helping them learn how to convert yes. and, you know. and negotiate a little bit. We do spend time, but I'm not doing that so much with quality leads anymore because I was investing quite a bit of money and the market had changed to lower inventory. So I do give other agents some leads, but not to the extent we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So how has Zillow changed over the years? It's just very big picture. Yeah. Um, they changed where they now, they have quite a few years now they have where you get a phone call and it's a connection. They used to be a lead company. Now they're called a connection company. Mm-hmm. So you're getting somebody on the phone and 
very, very often the house has already accepted offer. Right. But you don't want to know that up front. You want to be able to get their search parameters, create a relationship, find out about their pre-approval status, you know, what's their timing, the whole situation. Warm up that relationship as fast as you can about not just saying how many bedrooms, bathrooms, you know, really getting right. to know what their family's needs are. Then our inside sales agent, if it's 7.30 till 6, our inside sales agent takes care of that. Evenings and weekends, it's on broadcast, so the agents get them, hmm. and it's first come, first serve. Sure. But we have a contact management program called Follow-Up Boss mm-hmm. that those leads go automatically in there, right. so then we just nurture it and organize it. So is Zillow a friend or a foe? I know a lot of people think they're a foe. Mm-hmm. I think they're a friend. It's helped me throughout the years have agents be successful in a very short amount of time, mm-hmm. And have a lot of people making a good income. I don't rely on it like I did before. Mm-hmm. I definitely, we have many other means of getting, or several other means of getting other leads, but I don't know if I'll ever quit it. I've cut back, but it's, you know, that creates a sphere. Mm-hmm. And sure. often when they come in and they want to buy, well, now they also have a house to sell, possibly. Mm-hmm. But I've talked to other agents about. Zillow, if you don't have your system down and the people there, it's a waste of money. Yeah. So we, like I said, it's a well-oiled machine. We know how to do it, but it's very expensive, mm-hmm. including because you have to have the people to take care of those leads. So we have, Keller Williams has been wonderful about teaching us how to be connected with our um, clients. They call it 36 touches. I think we're doing more like 50 touches a year. Hmm. So a lot of our business is becoming has been recruiting, mm-hmm. excuse me, referrals. Fantastic. So somebody comes to you, which happens to you all the time, I'm sure. Uh, hey, Judy, um, I love homes and I want to get into the business. What do you tell people nowadays? Well, like you said earlier, um, when we were talking, teams, I think, are really, really important. I think it's very hard for a solo agent. I've met with agents that they had no support. When I first came on board, I remember I was doing all this work and I thought, what, what am I going to do when it starts happening? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Most agents don't know how to go after business. They don't know what to do. They mm-hmm. don't know how to nurture those relationships. And um, I heard years ago that the agents were failing. 90% of the agents were failing in the first three years because they didn't know how to get business. So I think being on a team is really great. If somebody doesn't want to be on a team, they just have to be really, really strong in prospecting. If you don't ask for a business, you're not going to get it. It's actually written on my board in my office. So you just have to be out there and trying new things. And like one of the agents on our team, we have quite a few agents that they start brand new with us. And she's exhausting her mother's friends and her Mm -hmm. sister's friends and her brother's friends and be able to go out there and just keep finding new ways of getting business. Mm -hmm. Right, and it's a little bit of a challenge when you're younger and just getting started out, right? And I think the buyer side is clearly easier. Yes. Somebody generally will trust you to help them find a home more than they are going to be willing to hand over their home to you. But you have enough conversations, you add enough value, the business will come. Yes. It really does. Yes. Um, So I heard something last week that knocked my socks off. It was at the Inman Conference in New York, and that is that there are approximately 1.4 million current agents in the 
national marketplace. And there are simultaneously 1.4 million agents in school. Mm. I mean, which means that there'll be theoretically within a couple of years, double the amount of agents, which there's never been any precedent for that. Who's going to survive? I don't know, but I think you mentioned young people. That wasn't the way it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember hiring a few young people and thought, oh, they're going to have such a hard time getting over that because why would a, a buyer or a seller who is looking to do one of the most expensive purchases of their life put in the hands of a young man or woman? They're successful. Mm-hmm. It's working. You know, it's their confidence. Obviously, you have to have the confidence and enough training, but I think there's going to be some exodus going on because I think there's a lot of realtors that are very frustrated with this buyer situation and um, putting in so many offers and not enough inventory. So that I think will happen somewhat. I think that they should raise their hand and look for some help before they throw in the towel because it is a wonderful industry. But I think there will be more teams. I see that's happening. What do you equate your success to? I was told once by someone at Realty Executives when I was with them, resourceful. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like I'm resilient. I've had things that didn't work. I mean, I could give a long list, mm-hmm. and but I've had things that did work, and it's not giving up. I think I'm a risk taker and didn't realize it. Like I said, when I became rep in the lawn and garden business and being in a male industry, being naive is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I became a realtor in 2010, people probably thought, what are you doing? 2010 was a bad time, but I don't have too much fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a God thing, I'm sure, but and being surrounded by great people. And like yourself, Rick, you were one of the first people that reached out to me when I was thinking about moving to Keller Williams. And you said to me, I'm not here to recruit you. I'm here to be a friend. And I mm-hmm. want you to be able to be free to tell me everything. You've always extended your friendship and it's been really admirable and appreciated. Well, we've been friends from the day we met. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice and happy to do that. And, you know, everybody has to find their home and every brokerage provides a different home. They're mm-hmm. all great. Yes. I'm an advocate of people just learning and being open and finding where they feel like they should be. And sometimes that changes too. Let's face it. I think you even said to me, this may end up being not right for you, Mm -hmm. but what we want to do is help you find out if it's... Right, exactly. Has it been? Oh, yes. Absolutely. I actually, we learned more in one month than I did in 10 Mm -hmm. years. Um, It's been fabulous. And what I love most, and my whole team would say this, the people have been very, very willing to share. Mm. My business isn't anything like it was two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And I talk to other agents from other companies. Sometimes they'll call me and I love to have coffee. I think, I don't drink coffee, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think like you reached out to me, when you're around an environment that people are giving, it's a natural thing that you just want to give. Mm-hmm. You didn't. I didn't even know I wasn't giving before. Yeah. I was in my own cocoon and doing my own thing. And Well, a lot of people look at this business like it's a small pie or it's a zero-sum game or pick your analogy, but it really isn't. There's so much out there. We can all prosper. There's room for more good, caring, responsive, knowledgeable people. I heard the other day that, and, and I won't get the words exactly right, but it was one of the questions that Einstein asked, and he said one of the first things you have to do is to determine if the universe is a friend or a foe. Yeah. and. I think once you decide that, you 
build a very different business. And maybe early on years ago, which many of us think years ago, that the universe is a foe and that my gain is someone else's loss and someone else's loss is my gain. And But you get a little further into it. And I think it's a certain amount of humility. It's a certain amount of perspective. It's a certain amount of heart. And you start to realize, I don't need every win. I don't want every win. I want other people to succeed. I want to like who I do business with. And it's a much better place to be. See, in the way you and your team are, you don't act like we are competitors. No. You are, you're recruiting friends. Right. Whoever is on the other side, that's the way you are. You just, you're gaining friends. I think it's just awesome because I remember feeling sometimes that, why does this have to be harsh on the other side? Why do we you know, have to be like that? We're both going for the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that people are open to treating each other as individuals and caring about who they are. Right. And I mean, you touched on something, but it's so true that there's so many times where I'll be on the phone with somebody else and I'll be thinking to myself, wait, you know, like this, we're going to be working together again. Like there's no reason to get upset, take things personally, let ego get in the way. Like, let's just work together for both of our people to win. Like, it's not about us at all. Yeah. I remember Paul Reuben, you and Katie, especially years ago, and you may periodically be doing this, where you reached out and had a party for the Cobrokes. Mm-hmm. That was so fabulous. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it really, really was. It, I'm sure anybody that had Cobroked with you that year felt like this is just so different and so mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. I don't know. We've always been givers and not takers, and mm-hmm. I think you're the same way. I mean, there have been times where, like, we're a repeat and referral business, 90 plus percent of our business is people that we know and 80% of our appointments start with a hug because we know them or know somebody that knows them. But we were going to venture into some of the paid lead stuff and I called you and I said, Judy, we're thinking about this. And you came with every one of your best secrets, scripts, everything. Mm -hmm. And I just think that makes us all better. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to do what you do exactly the way that you do it. I'll never... If I'm going to be trying to convert Zillow leads and you've been doing it for eight or 10 years, I'll never be Judy. But the fact that you could make us a little better than we were is great. And, you know, in turn, if we're trying to help somebody convert Sphere, what do you do? How do you talk? I think we all benefit. Sure. Right. And we all want everybody that does what we do to be good at it, too. I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. We're only as good as our weakest link. Right. And if we have bad agents out there, then as an industry, we look bad. Right. Now, I know probably other teams do this. I have an all-woman organization. It happens to be. I'm not sure why that happens, but a lot of uh, estrogen going on. And right. There is so much giving there. I love, my love my team. They're very uplifting to each other, very encouraging, share all the good, bad, and the ugly, and really, really care about each other. I don't think I would be near as happy in real estate, if I didn't have that being surrounded by really, really caring people. And that gets extended when you're working with an agent on the other side and they are, I got an accepted offer last night and she is going to be so much fun to work with. Mm. She is so sweet and it wouldn't be near as fun. So why not have the relationship? Who is that? That's so terrific. You can say. Jen from Realty Executives Integrity. Jen Jurenic, I think her last name is. She is so delightful. Realty Executives Brookfield. I always feel like, hey, let's spread the word about whoever is terrific. Well, I just got worried I was going to screw up her last name. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So 
I'm going to leave you with a tough question. I always like to have tough questions at the end. And I heard this the other day, and I thought it was a great question. So my parting shot is if we were going to create a national holiday that was Judy Hebner Day, what would that be? How would people go celebrate that? They all have to wear a redheaded wig. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me see. Oh, my goodness. What would be a fitting tribute to you? Um, I think the gratitude. Mm. I think just making it a full day of can't do anything negative has to be finding something good to say about the person that you're talking to at that moment, whether it's a clerk in a store or whatever. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it be fun? That would be. We need a Judy. Yeah. We need a Judy. Well, I think a lot of us would would say that kind of a response, but I think that would be just a great, great day. We'd all be feeling so good. On the way here, I actually work with one of my, one of the people at Keller Williams as a goal setting. And it was such an enlightening, I usually do it at my office, but I did it while I was traveling here. And it was such a positive, can I say who his name is? Sure. Mark Pahowski. And he is growing in leaps and bounds and he's, you know, he's prayed a lot about it. He's getting a lot back from God and just to see him growing the way he is and how appreciative he is of all the people that are there for him. Hmm. And that was a high, you know? Yeah, it's great. I mean, we have lots of blessings in this business. We just have to take the time to see that. Right. 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 Uh, well, this was fun. Yeah, it really was. Uh, thank you for doing this. I know it's hard to walk in and do this and be yourself, but you're absolutely terrific. And I'm glad that our listeners can see the Judy that I've always known. Always positive, always happy to help, enthusiastic, high energy. We're all blessed. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I was a little bit nervous about doing this, but you knowing it's you across the aisle <laughs> well, thank made you. it much easier. Nice. So I'd like to give a shout out to Podcast Town Studios, our producer, No Sleep for Creating the Music. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you believe that you or someone you know would be an ideal guest and would talk about not what they've done, but really who they are, why don't you reach out to me? I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Thank you.